Hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from their motorcycle garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and I know I say it way too much, but it was another good day here in sunny Santa Cruz, getting stuff done. Um, and I had uh, people with me all day. It was it was a productive day. Uh, and then Emma showed up, and it just all shit started flying. Oh, that's not very nice, <laughs> no, Liza. That is, I. That's what I told him to expect. Oh, just wait. When Emma gets here, it'll is get that what I had on the bottom. It'll get lively. <laughs> that's why I had that on the bottom of my shoe. It was flying everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's get to who is here with us today. Of course, running the board. It's Stumpy John. Ho ho ho. That's all I got. <laughs> ho, okay. ho, ho. Okay. Uh, and of course, chewing on our candy. Oh, I forgot to mention. Yes. There was an email. The people have spoken. Oh, c- complaining. Uh, yes. Good. <laughs> about candy noises. Crunching. There, there was a message about Emma eating while, while on the podcast. Okay. I need to stop. I Actually, you know what? It's going to work very well because I do actually need to lose a few pounds. So if I stop eating candy, not only will it improve the quality of the podcast, but I might be able to fit in my jeans. You know, I think it goes one of two ways. I think you either need to like lean away from the mic while eating or go all in and just go yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yeah, it's that background noise. <laughs> No, and it, actually, it's not entirely my fault because it's Jim. Because, you know, Jim always brings in this succulent candy, which is usually quite exotic. And I can't help myself. I know. Well. Anyway, here I am. And I'll I, be, I'll be, from this point forward, I'll be good. Or just go all in. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yeah, that, I like that. <laughs> well, and of course, Jim isn't here. So we got a stunt misfit taking his seat. Yes. Yeah. It's joining us for the first time. It's Eric. Eric. How you doing? I'm doing great. And you were here all day, so we'll get your report on the uh, recycle experience. Yes. Um, but, of course, we can't forget everyone's favorite ginger. It's Bagel. Greetings once again from the very wet Pacific Northwest. <laughs> we are soggy up here. It, would you say it's even moist there? Oh, it's very moist. It's moist <laughs> we, we, underfoot. Now, is it freezing yes. cold or... Um, no, we we had a cold spell a couple of weeks ago, but that's that's gone away, and we're just back to sort of very chilly, wet weather, mostly in the forties, oh, you know, dipping into the thirties at night, oh, but, but not freezing. Oh dear, mm. sounds all so. Very it makes depressing. for nice cozy days in the shop. <laughs> I am. I appreciate you're pushing the mic away from your mouth because you're chewing, but it makes more noise pushing the mic. <laughs> oh, I can't play. Well, no, this is a particularly chewy piece of candy, so I just want to finish it off. <laughs> okay, it's going to um, be different from this point forward. I promise. So the w- come winter, we don't have the usual crowds. The uh, girls in the bikinis and the baby pools aren't happening. It becomes a little more productive, and I'm actually able to get some stuff done. <laughs> Um, I offered to wear my Speedo and jump in the pool, but you said no. No, because all the water splashed out. <laughs> so That's that's how displacement ships work, well, by the way. That's what happens when you, uh, you, know, you do a pull. belly flop in the kiddie pool. Hey, you know, I got the belly for it. <laughs> um, but I got another one of my AliExpress shipments, and uh, <laughs> I had to put some accessories. Accessories. I'm saying nothing because I think you made a quite a valid point. Well, here's the thing. Um, 
Um, I know that when buying from, you know, AliExpress or Timu or any of these, sometimes it's cheap shit. But I have fun trying <clears throat> stuff out. But there are some things, some categories I've found that it's actually um, quite um, a, a, a bounty of options that you can't find out in the world. So I ordered a pair of, of handguards for the Nikon. You know, I love me some handguards. Heated grips and handguards is a must year round here because, you know, yep. it's it gets cold. And the Nikon has such a um, specific look to it. It's not, Emma, it's not futuristic. It's, what do you even describe that look? It's modern, I don't know, uh, modern yeah. industrial. Yeah, it's, it's got sort of an industrial kind of, it's a, it's its own thing. So you can't just put on like, you know, cycle gear, hand guards or something that'd be on a motocross. But I found on um, AliExpress, there's quite a large selection of different hand guards. And I found some that I think are pretty good looking that look very kind of modern. Um, and they're made for like big adventure bikes. Not just brush guards, not hand guards. They're not reinforced, but this is black plastic and clear plastic layered together, but not made for the bike. So I had to spend some time. Eric helped me. They look good. Um, to make the right kinds of spacers to make it fit. And Emma jumped in and figured out another part how to make it fit. It was kind of the teamwork, all hands on. But for most of the day, it was um, uh, Bill showed up on his. Uh, not NC500. What is it? CB500X. That's it. Doing some little stuff. And then uh, Eric showed up and... Um, Helped it, out. It's just kind of the three of us just doing stuff for the day. And you then know? I showed up and all everything went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Am I right? I told you. Oh, when Emma gets here. <laughs> yes. You had it nailed on the head. Yes, Emma comes in. It's like the like the whole marching band has arrived. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, you got trombones and the bomb bomb, the cymbals. Yeah. You you are the marching band. Well, you know that's just my entrance music. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Um, but yeah, I, the you know what the other accessory that I have found is really useful on AliExpress are USB outlets. Because there's not a lot of choices, even if you go to like Cycle Gear, there's like one. But when you go on to AliExpress, there's a lot of different types. Some of them have the voltage on it. Some are single, some are double. Um, there's so many different types that it gives you a bigger selection. I like the ones that have the battery voltage that you can see. Right. Um, and that's something that doesn't need to be. Like there isn't a factory. You know, the cheap version, the $5 version is perfect. For mounting on your handlebars or wherever, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, so uh, I mounted that up. I haven't. There's two more things still arriving for the Nikon, so we'll see how how oh, they God. look. We have to inspect each one as they come. But um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy with it. But yeah, it was a good day. I mean, yeah. Eric, you shut up. This is the first time. Yep, you've first been here. Time. Oh, and I. This is how fresh, fresh, fresh this show is. Your Nikon's already been insulted on the internet. What? Yes. So, about an hour ago, um, John posted some photographs on Instagram. Oh, no. Oh, yes. (laughs) The Salty Magpie, who I'm I'm friends with, she's great. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> love this. Good Lord, that Nikon is really an abomination. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, that's what I call it, the abomination. <laughs> but I'm glad it's bringing joy. It's cool. She's looking. such a good egg. That's... <laughs> No, that is an accurate description. Yes, no, <laughs> it is an abomination. Also, um, the Nikon is looking spicy. I mean, ah, spoiler alert! She got a Nikon. I feel it should come band with a with come with a band of futuristic ninjas. You get to fight. I mean, you could argue that every time you actually ride the thing, you're fighting ninjas. It certainly feels like it. <laughs> well, the people are speaking. Yeah, no, the public has spoken. I, I like that you got video of Neil trying to wheelie the Amigo, which John did, and I don't think you were trying to. I almost looped it. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that, Emma? That, you know, there's something incredibly off about that Amigo. There's something off about the suspension. It kind of goes up and down, but it goes side to side as yeah, well. Yeah, that's great. It's got two, double axis. It's very terrifying. It's quicker and than my KLR, though. John got on it, and I think bopped the clutch, and the wheel came up, and he started paddling with his feet. I saved it. <laughs> well, and I was going to uh, mention, have you guys at all been following Moines uh, latest have, yeah. adventure? Yep. It looks like he's having yeah. a blast. Yeah. For... I mean, everyone Those are knows, all your peeps, too, right? Yeah, well, everyone knows Moyne from doing you know, Pakistan trips, but he's added uh, Vietnam and uh, Tanzania. Yep. And every single person on the trip are from past trips to Pakistan. Uh, so there's a bunch of Chikistaners from different years and uh, other other people. Uh, Jim Eckerman, he's on the trip from here. Okay. Um, and, boy, they... You know, I'm equal parts um, glad I didn't go, but also wishing I did. Is that, does that sound like a good description, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> they had record rainfall. And, you know, uh, a lot of those roads are the those dirt roads. And some of them were just impassable, just mud bogs that all the bikes are having to, like, no, no. stop and help each other through. Is this Vietnam or no, this Tanzania. Is Tanzania? Tanzania. Tanzania. And I'm like, oh, so glad I missed that. Just, like just thick mud and they're all having to pull each other through and then there were two different times the bridges were washed out and they had to do a river crossing and people getting stuck in the river or falling over in the river Mm. and one of the bikes even sucked it up into the cylinder all the water so they had to like um, drag it out and then you know side of the road dismantle it and and get it going again as you do. And that's where I kind of get like jealous. Like, I love those kind of like, how are we going to fix this problem? You know what I mean? Right. And I think they're just, um, I think they're riding CRF 250s. Maybe? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. 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 Honda CRF 250s. They've been um, breaking them, um, blowing out clutches, um, <clears throat> uh, getting flats, and they've got guys traveling with them to fix them. They've really been putting them to their paces, but in a weird way, I'm really envious of a trip where things go wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that, therein yeah. lies the adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. There's the adventure. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, like thigh-high water. Oh, oh <clears throat> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a, such a good time. I like, that's my kind of adventure. I know your trips, Emma, are very nice, and you have nice pasta meals and cappuccinos and all the stuff. But this, where they're being chased by elephants and then getting, 
you know, bogged in water. I'm like, right. I like that. I mean, you know, there's there's a trip for everyone, um, and um, you know, I I I defend my trips. I think it, the wonderful time is had by everyone who goes on them. Oh, no need to defend. I think most people, normal people, like your trips. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm acknowledging that. I just think it's funny that I see this where like things are going wrong, people are having to deal with stuff. And like, I think Lily had said, or one of them said, like, I got separated from the group. I might be lost, but I, I know if I just, whatever village I come into, I can just ask if I can stay there the night. You know, I like that kind of mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah, right? it's, it's so much fun. I always like a challenge. Well, yeah. Oh, we're going to get to your challenge <laughs> later. You, your challenge is one that um, I hope to be experiencing in the future. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get there. Yeah, we will get there. Emma, Emma, what have you been working on in your shop? Have you been oh god, catching up? I yeah, I mean, I I basically had a month off because I was so sick. Yeah. Um. So I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. Um. Running around like a headless chicken. Um. As nothing. The only things I've got of note is um, I've got a 56 Triumph um, that should be going back to the owner at Christmas, and that is a 100-point bike. 500? No, 650. No? Um, and that is a 100-point bike. Nice. Um, i got to come down and see that. Oh, yeah, you do. That's been, that's been a two-year restoration. And then I've got a BSA Gold Star, which I need to. I already built the engine and transmission for it, but I need to actually put it in the frame and then rewire it. Um, that won't be until the spring. Oh, here's the wild thing. What I've got arriving this week, Harley Boat Tail. Does anybody know what a Harley Boat Tail is? No. Hold on. Um, I know what Boat Tail refers to, but... It's the type this of isn't, fender, right? So This isn't a car. No, this okay. is a Harley. Um, Not an Auburn. So in 69, 70, and 71, under the direct instruction of Willie G. Oh, yeah. Harley-Davidson offered the boat tail option for both the Superglide and, there it is, and the Sportster. Now, that picture you've got there. That's interesting. That is the actual bike that's arriving at my shop. It's a Sporty, right? Yeah, it's an 883 Sportster. Interesting. And it's almost like a cafe racer tail. Yeah, it's got that look about it. Yeah. Here's the other thing. They sourced the taillight from a 65 Chevy Impala. Oh, really? Yep. Hmm. I, I'm going to go out on limb and say my initial reaction is I don't like the proportions of this bike. Just it's- remember, it was kind of the first of its kind. Um, they didn't sell it all well. The gotta be worth seat a ton of is money now. so much bigger than the tank. The proportions are right, weird. Right, exactly. And they look even stranger in the flesh. But um, I have a... Oh, look, um, at, look at a taillight. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, 65 Chevy Impala taillight. Yeah. Um, but, but I will recognize, I'm going to guess that at this era, this was fiberglass coming in. Yes. And allowing you to do more creative things. And the tail fairing on this bike is And that's what this fiberglass. is. It's like yeah, showing, like, partic- look what we can do. And not particularly well laid, but this is a um, one-owner bike, 3,000 miles from new, so it looks perfect. But it hasn't run since 1980. So, wow. It's a complete teardown? 
Um, yeah, probably. Ah, just but I've got to preserve. I've got fine. to preserve the original finishes because I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's all original. So if I start taking it apart, which of course I'm going to have to. Um, I've got to be very So you're going to keep it with a patina or are you going to completely restore it? Oh, it's got no patina. It looks like a brand new Oh, it does? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So that's arriving. How many of those are around, do you know? It's difficult to say. You know, it's funny. Out of all of my, out of everyone I know, I know of at least three boat tails. Yeah. One super glide and then two two sports. They got to put that at the quail. I don't think I've ever seen one there. It's going to be at the quail. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always have my tent at the quail. And I once again, I will be serving gin and tonics. There we go. Um, and my intent at the quail, and, you know, it, it may change in the, in the meantime, um, is I'll have the trophy there, the 56, mm-hmm. and then I'll have the boat tail there. Fun. You know, and it's funny, I, I keep on trying to get out of the American bike business. And I always <laughs> tell people when they show up with a Harley, I say, well, you know, I'll work on your bike, but I'm... I really am trying to get out of the American bike business. And, you they know. keep I'm, loving you. Yeah, they keep showing <laughs> up. I don't want them to. Aww. Did uh, the gentleman with the Royal Enfield get a hold of you this week? <clears throat> Maybe. I had somebody reached out to through me about yes. um, getting his bike worked on. and I was Oh, like, no, I think he did. I think he had like, a, an Interceptor 650. Yeah, he did. And he, he had an East Coast... Uh, area code, and he was at, talking about sh- getting it shipped to you to have it fixed. Yes. No, I talked to him. He's going to ship it from the East Coast? Yes. I have bikes arrive at my shop from England. Yeah, but wow. uh, how much is this bike worth? Isn't he going to pay its value in shipping? It's going to be 2000 in shipping back doesn't, and forth, right? Doesn't matter. Mm. Okay. At least. Doesn't, it's, it's called the laying on of the hands. <laughs> 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 you know, no, it adds value. Because you know what's really going to add value to it? That Motortown sticker. And that piss in the airbox? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm going to give I'm going to give Eric one now. And it's it's sheer chance that I have them about my person. Oh, is it a sticker by any chance? Maybe. Maybe. I think so, that's what it is. Um yes. I'm going to make the presentation right now. So there you are. Eric, you can you can have this sticker which will add at least 10 horsepower to whatever vehicle you put it on. Right. And there's so much value attached to this sticker, it will put you in the next tax bracket. Oh, boy. And you never have to change oil again with that sticker. And that's a sticker of me yes, judging your bad decisions. <laughs> I'll put it on my e-bike. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, no, that's why people ship, just so they can get a, get a Miss Emma sticker. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, no, very you're very nice welcome, you. darling. Very nice of you. Well, I try to be nice. Well, So, yeah, and I mean, otherwise, the shop, I've got um, a lot of quite odd. Oh, i tell you what I have got, which is very nice. Yeah? Benelli 650 Tornado. What year is well, that? 69. Yeah. Wow. 650 Twin. Hmm. And he's always oh, a 650 Twin. It's competition for a Bonneville. Nothing like a Bonneville. And it doesn't even sound like a Bonneville. Aren't I mean, they have the, the motor tilted a little forward? That no, the, that's the SFC. The okay. um, the uh, this would be um, Laverda. Mm, that's right, Laverda. Yeah. Um, no, the Benelli's kind of straight up and down, and it's kind of meaty looking thing. Um, but as soon as you start it up, you realise it's nothing like a Bonneville. It's a very very short stroke, high revving engine, um, very sporty for the time. 
I don't think it makes a massive amount of horsepower. I don't think it makes much more horsepower than a Bonneville, if any. Because hmm. a Bonneville was like 50 horsepower. And this may be like 55, but it just produces power very differently. You know, Bonneville's like, vroom. Was this rum rum? Well, and I know that uh, Phil uh, Cleveland Moto has been talking a lot about how shops are taking like uh, less and less of the modern bikes. Even Greg at Gilroy was telling us like anything over like eleven years old. They can't get parts. Right, so. Are you getting more and more bikes just from yeah, shops? I mean, on them? Yeah, I mean, generally, I'm trying to be a lot more selective about what I do. Um, because I mean, I have to be the the age of the independent is really going by the wayside, and it's funny. I was I, I was having my eyes tested yesterday, um, and my optometrist said the same thing. She said the 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 day of the independent is really drawing to a close. You know, all these giant optical places like Stanton Optical or Lenscrafters, yeah, they're really making huge inroads take over and it's the same in the motorcycle industry you know the the hoops you have to jump through to really keep a small shop open um it's very very difficult i mean i love the challenge and i i love rising to it but because there's so few independents left I've got more work than I know what to do with, so I can kind of select what I want to do. And much as I'd love to spend all day, every day, working on vintage British bikes, I wouldn't make any money doing it. Well, I mean, you're, but you're one of the few that can. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's very few of us left, but, you know, you, you have to draw the line somewhere between the amount of hours you put into this thing and what you can actually charge the customer. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, I hate to say it, is, you know, putting tires and fork seals on sport bikes pays the bills. Yeah. What What's one of, the, like, the rarest, most expensive bikes you had in your shop? So the rarest single bike I had in my shop was a 1970 Egley Vincent. You were bragging about that, I remember. That, and that is the singularly the most expensive bike I've had in my shop. Although I've had Black Shadows and Rapides in there and Bruff Superiors, that single bike was the most expensive. And um, I always drop my foot in it, and I say it dovetails into our guests that we have. But Take it, it, take it away. You're doing a good job. So this bike was built um, by a gentleman. There were, there were two big players with Vincent's in America, um, really up until the late 90s. And one was Max Lamke, and the other mm -hmm. one was Sid Biberman. And it mm -hmm. was a big Sid's bike. And that's the bike. And I had um, your dad, because via Zoom tonight, we have big Sid's son, Matthew. Um, I had your dad's bike on the ramp and re really resurrecting it. Now, your dad always used to sign inside the primary. And I'm trying to remember the date on this one. And I want to say 95. Does that sound about right, Matthew? Um, well, I mean, yeah, sure. He's alive. <laughs> he dies in 2013 and until he dies, he's working on Vincent's. Um, and he worked on Eggly's, you know, I guess Eggly's start kind of coming out ar around 1970 or so. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I want to say that he signed it 1995. So, that, you know, that sounds about right. And it was quite yeah. recently I had it. 
So um, it lives on the central coast now, and the, uh, the owner rides it regularly. It's extremely fast and extremely loud, and um, he terrifies the neighbors with it, which is a good show all round. And that bike actually helped me make the transition into my shop because it was right on the borderline of the time when I was working at home and just kind of dipping my foot into my shop. And I'm riding this thing around a suburban neighborhood at midnight with no muffler on it whatsoever. And That's how you make some friends. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this really isn't sustainable. I need to move full time into my shop. And so really, as a legacy of your dad's old bike was, it really helped me to go full time into my, into my shop. And it was, it's the best thing I've ever done. Well, that's a, that's a great story, and uh, Sid would definitely smile at the way that you uh, you wrote it. Um, he certainly loved the sound. He he loved motorcycles, really all of them. Uh, although, of course, he's most associated with the Vincent. Uh, but a Vincent on open pipes. Um, you know, is uh, about the most beautiful thing he could imagine. And uh, getting to enjoy that late at night while irritating your neighbors <laughs> is the cherry on top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And rattling, rattling windows. And I'm sure that the the Magneto was sending people's televisions crazy as well. So, you know, it was it was quite an interesting evening. But um, it, I immediately, I realized immediately, was this is not something I can, I can do regularly from this point forward. Well, Matthew, I, I wanted to uh, jump in and say thank you for coming on our show tonight. Um, hey, I, I'm Liza. You can see me on camera. Next to me, you got Stumpy John. Yep. You got Emma on the couch, and then being quiet over on the other side, you got Eric, and then you see Bagel over there. There's a whole bunch of us, and we're gonna have a lot of questions. But you know. You've got uh, a history. I mean, your dad is is motorcycle royalty, so I'm sure you've got a lot of stories from that. But I wanted to 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 jump to today to now, and I have a simple question for you: How many English degrees does it take to write a children's book? <laughs> uh, well, English degrees get in the way of writing a children's book for sure. I, I don't disagree with that. Actually. <laughs> You know, I I ended up uh, writing this children's book, uh, Fixing Santa Cycle, which um, I am uh, the 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 status of the book right now is that I am uh, hawking the last copies uh, of a what I call a demo run, um, given my my love of music, which I know goes together for a lot of motorcyclists. Oh yes, um, and. I, uh, it's an illustrated uh, children's book, kind of in the vein of something like the Polar Express, kind of starting uh, with a conversation I had with my son when he was still in the Believing Santa and stage. It, and his that name, if, your son's name. His name is Vincent. Oh, yes, there, nice. of course it is. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it, it was a moment where a package came. This was uh, the Christmas of COVID. And uh, we were ro rolling into it, and I was working on a, a, a Vincent Red repeat downstairs, actually, where I'm talking to you from. And 
and so Vincent said, oh, it's a package. Uh, is, it, is it for me uh, from Santa? And I said, well, it's from Santa, but it's for me. And, and I was just kind of joshing with them, you know, and it, it just fell into this idea that Santa was sending me some Vincent parts because Santa had a Vincent and because Vincent guys swap parts, that's what we do. Um, and so that was sort of the kernel of, you know, the, the package from Santa, but it's not for you, it's for me. And then he was like, Santa doesn't have a motorcycle. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, play, yes, train. You're telling me he doesn't have a motorcycle? I know Santa and he's got a Vincent Red Repeat. Um, <laughs> well, is that is that the bike you would have pictured on Santa on? Well, we can we can back up further because we all know that Moses rode a triumph because <laughs> you could hear you could hear his triumph all over Egypt. It was Joshua actually. So, was it Joshua? Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. Yes. Yeah, so picture. now we can extrapolate that and say that Santa's Vincent was heard all over the North Pole neighborhood, probably at midnight on open pipes <laughs> right and i so i started to play around with this story just in my head and telling it to vincent while we were goofing around um and then i was in a parking lot tell you the truth i was in a parking lot uh and i was looking at an apartment and i was thinking about um where my life was going and I reached out to a guy that I knew really only because we both have Honda Hawk GTs and I've known him as somebody through the Hawk list because I've had my Honda Hawk since 1994. And, and this is Douglas Thompson who sells his work under Tempest deficit and does motorcycle themed stuff. And I, I wrote to him on Instagram and said, I've got an idea for a children's book and I think you would be perfect to illustrate it. And he said, I've been playing around with an idea like frog and toad with motorcycles, what you got? And I <laughs> sent him the story at that point, which was, you know, like I said, rolling into Christmas 2020. And he and I have been turning it around to the point where we were like, we need to hold it in our hands. And Douglas was like, I really would like to get some money to finish because, you know, I'll, I'm an ink scribbler and, and foolish ink scribblers will write for free. But 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 painters want some money. So we and we need to hold it in our hands because being motorcycle guys, you know, a, a PDF file ain't a book. And I really feel that one of the last stands for books is going to be children's illustrated books. Because you got to read a book to your kid and, you know, hold out. I mean, it's you, you guys know what I'm talking about. You got to hold the book and show the pictures. And so we we made this nice 48-page uh, uh Ooh, there book. it is. <clears throat> yeah, there it is. And my friend Tim O'Keefe, who I've known since the mid-1990s, who designed Vincent's with Big Sid, which oh. came out in 1998, he did the book design on it because until then I had just been scissoring and, and, and taping together my words with Douglas's drawings. And he did, in order to, so it's all uh, interior sketches uh, that are black and white except for the, we, we did one interior, let's see if I can, yeah, there, of, of course, Santa has elves and, and <laughs> elves are mods. 
So they have their mod uh, party going on, and later <laughs> later we go to a rocker party. And part of the twist, part That's of the great. twist, and and so yeah, and I wouldn't. I mean, it it truly was uh, something of a kind of strange Christmas miracle, really. When I sent that message to Douglas, and Douglas wanted to do it, and we just spit on in a handshake, and off to the races we've gone to where we've gotten it this far. And the reception so far has been really good. Um, and what's fun about, uh, there's so many things that are fun about the story, but the, the, the reality is that, you know, it's, I mean, I think my words are pretty good, but Douglas's drawings uh, make the book. And I had to get it at least to the point where we could see it, you know, as we intend it, which is a physical book. So that's that's what I'm hawking. That's what I'm talking about today. Although I'm happy right? to talk whatever but, you guys talk about. Well, I, I have a question. What is the animal on Santa's head? Yeah, this is <laughs> this, this is your. Yeah. That's cute. It looks kind of raccoonish to me. <laughs> Wait, you don't well, know? Could be a oh, badger. I, <laughs> There's a fox on the back of him. I know. Yeah. A I mean, Douglas, a This was. Yeah. There's a. And there's a whole, this is my, my favorite picture in it of all is I just, this was what was so great. And I should say that Douglas and I have never been in the same room together. Oh, and other than I felt that it was when we brought, when I brought Tim O'Keefe in to do the actual book design off of just our scissors and paste, um, I, I, I had a phone call or a zoom like we're doing now with, <clears throat> with Douglas to, to make sure that he was comfortable with taking our, our, our two sum into the three sum to get the book done. Other than that, he and I have only emailed each other um, and, and just turned it around and turned it around and turned it around. So he, he did this image where yeah. all of a sudden there are animals and I hadn't thought about animals at all, but, but then we get to, and I just called this mm -hmm. the unruh. You know, because Santa, uh, he ends up with his bike in a rut. And oh, if no. you, see, you see here, you got yeah. the little rabbit cranking it. And, you know, and I just knew it was some kind of gizmo. But I had no idea what. And Douglas just came up with that out of his imagination. And so the the book, the book's animals just began to populate through the pages. Um as he, uh, also with my son's uh, encouragement, and uh, so there are there are there are wonderful element in the book um, that is part of the magic of the well, book that has I I gotta tell you Matthew, developed. I gotta tell you, you are not the first guest to come on and hawk a children's book. I mean, yeah, primarily, you know, we're a motorcycle podcast, and we're quite well known in the motorcycle community. Um. But, you know, we, we've always encouraged in the past projects that really promote motorcycling yeah. to, a, to a larger audience. And children are great because they grow up into being motorcyclists. And about, God, it's got to be about three or four years ago now, um, we had a lovely couple come on who were probably at a similar stage with their book as you. They'd, they'd got it to prototype stage and they'd just right. done a Kickstarter and gotten some money. And the um, book was called Mimi and, Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet. 
And the animal connection is there as well, because, of course, Mimi and Moto are two little monkeys who actually mm-hmm. ride motorbikes. And I'm guessing they're probably in their teens. They're young monkeys. Mm. Um, cheeky monkeys, too. They're, they're young, cheeky monkeys. <laughs> they are cheeky monkeys, you know. Um, and um, it, it was a great book. It reminds me a lot of yours. It's just charming illustrations, very nice reading for small children, and it's gone on to be very, very successful. So much so that if you actually go to um, the AMA, the AMA, you know, recommend it. And I think they give it away as a prize for something or other. Um, but the AMA recommend it for uh, Christmas gifts for children. So I wish the same for your book. Um, anything so that really promotes this love of motorcycles towards children. And children love motorbikes and children love animals. And it's, it's a heady combination, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, um, I... Yeah, thank you so much. The the part of the twist with this particular book is that as I as I have on the little blurb on the back, I write when Santa needs help fixing his Vincent, two young mechanics come to his rescue in this charming holiday tale. And I got the word uh, charming from Melissa Holbrook Pearson, who she and I who, who wrote the perfect vehicle, what it is about motorcycles. Um, and she and I have been good friends for for decades now too, but it's a celebration as well of you know working with your hands. Yeah, uh, it, it's a cel- and it's a celebration about the idea of uh, two young mechanics about being able to know how to fix things right. and understand um, everything that comes with. Uh, a sensitivity to understanding that as much as we'd like to, you know, we try to get some magic into the world in various ways, but, but things, things work, you know, mechanically and schematically and engineering. And, uh, and it kind of helps if you understand those things and uh, there's some satisfaction in, in working with tools Um and overcoming and book wants to pass that along. Right, exactly. And overcoming a, a hurdle that you perhaps encountering something that you've never seen before. Um, I I was telling um, the, my fellow misfits a couple of weeks ago. I just bought a nineteen sixty two Ford Thunderbird, and it's the most glorious thing. Um, very much an analog machine. And the clock had stopped working. And so I thought, you know, this is a huge dominant part of the the dashboard. I want to fix this clock. How does a clock on a 1962 Ford Thunderbird work? Well, I shall tell you. It works like a giant wristwatch. It's a completely mechanical movement. And what happens is there's a set of points just as you'd find in a magneto, just as you'd find inside an ignition system. And when they close, a bimetallic strip heats up and something that looks like a bow and arrow operates and winds the clock. And it does that every three minutes. Hmm. And then it's tick, 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 tick. And then when it gets down to a certain point, the point's closed, the bimetallic strip heats up. It is the most amazing piece of engineering overcoming 
what they had as a mindset in 1962. And it's it's achieving something like that. And it's really a celebration of the people who came up with this back in the 60s. How can we make a clock work in a car? This is long before courts. And so they came up with this. And then the satisfaction that one gets from actually, oh, it's a clock, and fixing it and getting it to work on time. It's great. There's far more satisfaction in that than than anything I can imagine. So I want to ask you a little bit about, if if you don't mind, eventually a little bit about your dad. But first, before we get there, where can people find your book? Because you have multiple books, right? You've got that plus... Well, I, I was going to yeah. say, this is your second motorcycle-related book. The right. first one being Big Sid's, Big Sid's Vincati. Right, yeah. So I'm holding that yes, up here. Yes, which we'll, we'll get. That's a whole nother story. Right. It is indeed a whole nother story. And was that your first book ever that you wrote? Because you've wrote, written a lot of other books. Not well, about motorcycles. Right, yeah. You're, you're, you're being kind. Um <laughs> As an English professor, I've I've seesawed back and forth between doing uh, non-academic stuff and doing academic mm-hmm. stuff. So, really, the first book that I did uh, I did with my dad this this uh, Vincent's with Big Sid, mm-hmm. and oh, cool. in in many ways, Jay Leno did the introduction to it. Um, and uh, Jay is it was. Uh, uh, thrilled to get his copy of fixing Santa cycle and said it was a, a super, and of course Jay really likes to promote uh, work, uh, a new generation coming up on. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he got it immediately. Um, and our association uh, personally goes back to working with him to do the introduction to Vincent's with big Sid. And, and he has one of your dad's bikes, right? Yeah, he does. It's one of the first Vincent's that he got. Um, <laughs> And, uh, he, 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 you know, he's still, he's like, uh, he's like the comedy world's version of James Brown. I mean, he's still one of the hardest working men in show business. He's one of the hardest working men I've ever encountered, frankly. Um, but he liked to go into motorcycle shops, you know, as a touring comic. And we were talking about hole in the wall motorcycle shops as I was waiting to queue up here and the fate of the independent um, and, and so he, he, big Sid's was, was exactly the kind of shop that Joe would, that Joe, that Jay would stop in and visit, um, when he was, when he was a young man, uh, touring and, uh, and, and thus the association began, you know, he started off pumping gas and working on cars at a, at a filling station right. before going out to LA and, and pursuing his career as a comic. So. I did that Vincent's with Big Sid, and I often joke that that that, that book kind of ruined me because I had so much fun doing it, working with um, Tim O'Keefe, who at that time had just, at the same time that he was working on my book, he was part of the team that did the Guggenheim Art of the Motorcycle installation, um, particularly when it moved from New York to Chicago. And I went up, that's when we first met him, and Peter Fonda was there, and we did this symposium on the art of the motorcycle. Um, and I got to tour that exhibit, uh, which had an Egli in it. It, 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 it. The only uh, non-standard bikes 
in the Art of the Motorcycle show uh, were an Eggly, an Indian Chief Bobber, and the Captain America bike. That was it. Okay. Oh, wow. And the, all the rest of them, you know, the whole philosophy of that particular show was, you know, everything but the but the price tag, you know, was all just exactly correct. It wasn't any of the customization or anything of that. Right. that I, rem- I remember that, that show vividly. Yeah, so do I. I saw it yeah. live. So I, I, I want to get to, you know, how it came to be that you wrote a book. But my first question yeah. is, what was harder, writing the book about Big Sid's Vincati or restoring a building of Vincati? Which one was harder? Right. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's like that's like See? asking, you know, juggling versus swimming underwater or something in many yeah, ways. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're very different. Um, the the. The, the story as to how, so I did Vincent's with Big Sid with Sid and Tim, and then I got my job as an academic professor and became a professor of Shakespeare and Milton and, and, and Renaissance literature and really ran away from my uh, past as a, as a motorcycle person, didn't have a bike for seven years. Um, and then my dad, um, had premonitions that he was going to die and he just kind of dropped into my life kind of unannounced really in Louisville, moving from Norfolk, just taking a pile of money and getting his car and driving there really. And, uh, I, I, he had a heart attack and I, and if I hadn't have just stopped by unannounced, he would have died on that particular Sunday morning. Uh, can I just uh, jump in here? So give yeah. people perspective and forgive me if this is inaccurate, your dad was quite a big cat, six five, three hundred pounds. It's in his name. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, six five. Yeah, he was a big cat. Yeah, no, yeah. he was he was a big cat. Um, I've been fortunate oh, to have. I hear the a book. cat. <laughs> yeah, speaking of cats, <laughs> I've been fortunate to have the book now translated into uh, first into Spanish, oh, cool. and and now into Italian. Right. And the Spanish translator called me up and said. Big Sid, like big, like 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 fat, like Santa Claus, and I said no, big like Paul Bunyan. Yeah, just <laughs> like physically <big>. because <laughs> you see, there's there's a picture of him, and I think he's at some sprint on some airfield somewhere, and there's this like normal sized person on a Bonneville next to him, and then your dad has got, um, I'm presuming it's a black shadow, although the engine I think is natural colored. And it's vertical with this giant man. There he is. This yeah. giant man pulling this stonking wheel. Yeah. And right, it's clear yeah. he's a very big man. Yeah, no, that's that's all right. And and that 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 all um worked against him in various ways. So sure. that by the he's seventy, uh he was a broken man and really ready to die and would have died if i hadn't have stopped and you know he wasn't like picking up the phone or anything or mm. trying to get to the hospital what year was this this was this was in 2000 okay and so i got him to the hospital and when he came out of the four way bypass he, he, the first thing he said to me was why didn't they just let me die oh. and in the hallway, the doctors said to me, if he doesn't find a reason to live, he's not going to live. Yeah. And I went home and I got 
in the mail, and it was probably Sid's mail. Uh, a, a and we don't we don't all of us know what I'm talking about, but there'll be a generation <laughs> that will then say oh, you got a stack of three by five you know photos, a big one, a stack you know big thick envelope of photos of motorcycles yeah. <laughs> that were all shot at the Isle of Man in 1999 when the Vincent Owners Club did their international every four years international rally as the centerpiece of come to the Isle of Man, see the Isle of Man races, all the Vincent guys are going to be there. And I said, oh, I'll bring these pictures in. You know, Sid and I can look at these pictures. And while we were looking at the pictures, there was a picture of a guy named Bruce Armfield from Australia had shipped over his Vincati. And I had never, or at least in my memory, I was like, what is that? Because I recognized that it was a, you know, Vincent engine, but what, it's not an Eggly. What is that? And he looked at it and he said, ah, it's a Vincati. And the thing is that his other great love was Ducati's. And he had a Ducati 750, 73 GT. And that was my bike that I really learned how to ride on when I was like 16, 17, 18. And I know people probably can't believe this, but Sid had bought it as a as a abandoned wreck that right. had been left <laughs> in sailor well, for you, six bucks. Uh, yeah. These had, bikes weren't valuable back in the day. Right. I had right. a 750 GT and I paid very, very little for it. Um, it didn't yeah. have desmodromic valve gear, it had normal valve gear, although it did have bevel cams. But it had it was just it was a big it was Ducati's first proper bike. Now everybody right. who rides Ducati single is gonna go, Oh, that's a rotten thing to say. But up until the 750 GT, Ducati just made singles. Yeah. And, the, well, and right. we're not going to talk about the Apollo, but we're just going to talk about things that you could actually so buy. So what was the power profile like between the Vincent motor and the Ducati motor that came with? Oh, Vincent's got far more power. Yeah. yeah but it, it, it develops it in a different way. Ducati's right. a lovely lazy engine, very lazy engine, big 90-degree V-twin. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I said to him, um, if and so I immediately these were the two bikes of our youth. I mean, this is when we went out and we went riding, and Sid a ride wasn't a ride uh, for Sid until you at least had gone a hundred miles before you turned around. You know, so we often did two, three hundred mile rides just on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm not suggesting that's a lot of miles, but you know, for yeah. us it was a it was a good ride. And um. And so I mean, this was like, this was like the ultimate peanut butter and jelly comfort food vision yeah, I've yeah. seen before. And I said, well, if you live, we're going to build it. And he said, and he had this way of talking when, you know, you had just said something truly stupid. He said, you must be crazy. And, and I, I said, <laughs> you know, he's like, you, you don't even know which, you don't even know how to hold a wrench. I mean, this was always the thing that had driven us apart was that I wasn't born with the gift that he had of being a truly natural wrench. Sid was a truly natural wrench. And I, I'm not at somebody, you know, I have to think about which way to turn the wrench, you know, particularly if like you got to yeah. hold the wrench on the other side of the bike, <laughs> you know, and you got two wrenches going, you know, like that stuff is hard for me. I've got to think about it like a chess match. 
Sid never had to think like that, you know? And, uh, and so I went home and I started calling around and that night or the next night, I found a guy who found a guy who, uh, as long as he remained anonymous so that the Ducatistas couldn't find him and kidnap, <laughs> was, was willing to part with an entire rolling chassis and just keep the engine because oh. he wanted to get it an aftermarket, you know, he had his own wet dream of a particular uh, Ducati special he was going to do, and he just wanted the motor. And so I came to the hospital the uh, the, the next day, and I said, I found the rolling chassis, and I bought it, and it's going to be coming. And then he knew I was serious, and then he got his ass out of the hospital, and that was in September of 2000, and January 1st, 2000. 2005 we started the vincati for the first time and so it was a you know so i guess in just in terms of pure years it took to work on of course we were at that point he moved in with me and i went to school and taught and then came home and worked on bikes out in the garage uh, you know in order mm-hmm. not just for fun but in order to make ends meet and sid could still drive business he could still you know have we, we usually had three bikes. That, that was sort of the way Sid did things. We had one bike that was we were in deep into the guts of. We had one bike that we were pu- pushing out the door. We had one bike that we were just starting to clean and begin to prep. And that was the way Sid worked through life. And then we had guys lined up waiting to bring them bikes. And, you know, and so I spent until Sid died in 2013. I that's that was my life. So. Uh, and so over the course of those four years, we, on the side, really, you know, as one does when one owns a shop, we we built the Vincati. And then Peter Egan came and wrote it and wrote a big splashy story right. uh, that, that came out in Cycle World. Um, and I, I love Peter Egan, and he's a great writer. Uh, and I read it, and I said to myself, Hey, there's a story here. I mean, I was so clueless. I didn't even think there was a story, Mm -hmm. you know, and this was before American Chopper and all of that, really. And then I realized there was a story and then I tried to make it a story and I succeeded and Big Sid's Vincati came out in 2009 and then in paperback in 2010. And then I really hit a dry spell. Um, And then uh, Marina Gianforni in Spain reached out and said, I, I want to translate Melissa's book and I want to translate your book into Spanish. And that went so well that that came out in 2021 that we then translated it into Italian <laughs> and it came out in 2022. And I flew over, uh, for the, the ASI motorcycle show outside of Parma, um, at a racetrack there. And we launched uh, the Italian version, and the other guy hawking books was Agostini. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, well, and the funny thing is, Agostini went on before me, and I was like, "No, <laughs> he, war- he like, warmed him up for you." <laughs> yeah, he was a warm up guy. <laughs> no, you know, I no the, the the Rolling Stones don't go out first. You know what I mean? Like that's just. <laughs> I mean, well, when the Beatles are playing, they do. Maybe. Oh, that's, that's an argument right there. Oh, hey, let's not go there. I, I got a question. Well, for for Emma too, because I really don't know. I, I've I've heard of these, you know, these 
amalgamations. Yeah, like you get yeah. Norvins or you yes. know, taking the best yeah. of one and the best of another, and it seems to be the Vincent Motor is usually the one they choose. What did you but, do? I, but, 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 hold but, on no, there. no, that's not my question. My question is, how hard is it to slap a Vincent Motor into some other bike? Like, like it took five years right. to build. So that's like what, for people who don't know. It ain't a five-minute job. Because the Vincent... <laughs> Is part right. of the frame, right? It's a stress member, so, right? So, well, here's at a time the, when most bikes here's work. Here's the thing, and please, once again, forgive me, Matthew, if I you've done a lot more of these. A Vincent has no frame, right? Yeah, there is no frame. The closest a Vincent's got to a frame is a square section box that sits on top of the cylinder heads, and it serves as a carrier for the steering head and the fuel tank, and just the top mount for the rear suspension. Everything else bolts onto the engine. Now, that's an advantage. There you go. That's an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on one's point of view. Um, right. So, so what is the biggest challenge when you want to oh, there put it is. two things together? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, that's better than the picture I'm looking at. Yeah. Wow. So how, what is the biggest challenge to put that motor into a bike it was not made to fit? Well, the, the, challenge, the, the story here... Uh, is that uh, in Australia, because, uh, you know, the Australians will send out a battalion to come uh, beat me senseless if I don't acknowledge <laughs> the fact that this, they, they, they did this, not, not Sid and I. We were late comers to the party. Um, and, you know, Americans think that we're crazy, but Australians are, you know, Australians are like, hold my beer on that. <laughs> and the... Right. So the brain trust that produced the Vincent is, of course, Philip Vincent and chief engineer Phil Irving. And Irving is Australian. Yes, and, he is. Yeah. And so after Irving got let go uh, from, uh, from the Vincent factory when they were started their tailspin, uh, he went back to Australia. And, and the, so the story is that when he saw his first Vincati, he said, if Vincent had survived into the 70s, that's what our bikes would have looked like. Mm. And, you know, and, and that's when I began to realize, like, you know, this, there's, a, there's, there's, there's good sense to this particular Frankenbike project. Um, and part of it is that it's a Colin Seeley designed uh, chassis in terms of the Ducati and uh, it is said that Colin Seeley grew up on the back of a Vincent and that the, even though the Vincent engine is a thousand cc's versus the 750, there's only about 10 pounds worth of difference between the two motors and the, ge the geometry. That's what I want to say. The geometry uh, lends itself very well, although there is um, some argument that, that uh, if you draw a straight line across from the hub, hub center front and rear the engine's a little higher than it than it should be but i've been riding this bike for a long time and you know guys have been Cotti guys have ridden the snot out of their bikes um and the story is that in australia the first load of or early load of ducati 750s that came in had duff motors and the cranks blew up and they were looking at these chassis and you're right that because Vincent Motors, uh, in terms of performance, were unmatched until the Z1, you know, and, and so that in the early 70s, 
73, when, right when, uh, when, when the Ducati comes out, it still made sense from a kind of just purely speed, you know, high tech point of view in 1973 to, to mate this, uh, because it was taking the, the most powerful motor of the time to what was one of the great road holding and had already established itself as a, a really good road going chassis with modern suspension and modern brakes, you know, and, and the rest of it. So the, the, Early Ducati, the early Vincati efforts uh, in Australia are often kind of crude um, and, and, and done sort of in a open up some beer and throw some shrimp on the barbie. We're going to do this thing. So the first thing that you do is you cut that, you cut the front down tubes yeah. here that come down and grab the Ducati motor up here. And then you cannibalize those two front down tubes to create cross tubes that you weld in place here and here. So underneath and, the tank, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, one of the guys um, from Australia sent us just uh, drawings where he literally just traced these these plates that I'm pointing to here that mm -hmm. look like 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 tears, and they and so you put one on either side of the standard FT3 head brackets. And you are basically doing what we're just talking about, which is you are uh, you are improvising the standard Vincent method of uh, mating the engine and the chassis together with securing the front head here, securing the rear head there, mm -hmm. and then you're securing. And here you've got um, you have to weld uh, uh, two plates that extend. Uh, where the Ducati chassis grabs the rear of the motor. Um, and so it's four plates. You're, you're uh, making it sound sorry. easy. <laughs> I, like I said, the Australians <laughs> are like four years. Yeah, yeah, we could have come over there. You bought me some pizza and beer, mate, and fired up. We would have done it. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's two plates at the rear of the motor and four up top. And you're really kind of off to the races at that point, um, you know, but Sid, uh, Sid being Sid, one is that this was always, um, you know, the fun project. We always mm -hmm. were working on paying work and, uh, and then things like acquiring the motor and then getting the motor ready. And, you know, so there was all this other stuff, but the, the basic, question that you asked is uh you know surprisingly it's not that hard to do if you're willing to uh to do uh, uh violence to a ducati <laughs> gt chassis from which there is no going back right. um, so you know and i wrote the chapter that i wrote about that was was called the the land of the righteous because for for some reason uh, Sid uh, had this phrasing that he said he got from one of his long-term mechanics that a righteous chap chopper, uh, back in the day anyway, a chopper was righteous if it wasn't a fake chopper, meaning that you could somehow retro and go back to a standard, you know, geometry of it. So uh, on that particular day when we cut those legs off, he announced that we had entered the land of the righteous. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I have another nice. question for you, and, and 
John, maybe you can relate to this because I think you also grew up with a with a, a dad who you maybe could never be compared to in his prowess on motorcycles. But you mentioned that you had kind of had a falling out. You know, you couldn't you couldn't hold a wrench. You know, c- compared right. to him. How, right. how, how was it? How did you get through those years of building this bike? Right. And without yeah, just going a, into like wanting to hide in a hole. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. that's a very good question. And how much therapy have you gotten since then? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, ther- therapy is there. I, I, I'm a believer in therapy <laughs> and encourage, you know, we should live in a system that is generous and, uh, with therapy for everybody. 100%. Because, speaking, we need it. Um, but yeah, that, that, that obviously is something that, uh, is a good, is one of the things I talk about in therapy for sure. But, um, you know, the reality is that it was, it was, the thing is that Sid was, I, I was never born with his gift and I, I had other gifts. It took me a while to realize that. And that's a very, very valid point, Matthew. And that's what a lot of I say to a lot of people because they say, oh, I wish I could work on bikes like you can, Emma. So you can do things that I only dream about. My brother right. is a very gifted musician, and I am just so in awe and so jealous that he can sit down at his drum kit or his guitar and just make these beautiful sounds. Um. And I can right. never no, do that. Right. That's true. We so all that, bring something to the table. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I really do. That's a, that's a nice thing to say. I didn't realize that until, you know, I have a chapter in Big Sid's Vincati called The Professor and the Mechanic, where I, where, and it is true. Um, I mean, now we live in this world of, you know, God knows what's true anymore, but Big Sis Vincati has been out has been out for like fourteen years, and uh, people people will pull me aside. the the, the most the, the most the argument we'll get is um, over the over the the you know minor minor details. It's all true, and at, at this point, and I sure as hell tried to make it true that. We got into one of these fights, which we routinely got into um, in the garage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything was, about that. <laughs> which, which usually started with him uh, begging me not to do something because I would screw it up. And then I would. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I screwed it up. And, and then it, and then and then he was just the kind of he had many uh, strengths as a father. But one of the weaknesses was. That he would, you know, ride me about the fact that I told you not to do that. And I'd be like, shut up. I did. I, I, it's we're just going to have to order it and eat the part. You know, that kind of moment <laughs> where, where that thing has happened. And and we and we were we were at each other's throats. Um, and I said to him, you know, because I'm trying to blame it on him. Right. And, you know, like uh, you didn't explain it to me. Right. And, you know, and then he. I said to him, well, you may be a, a very good mechanic, but you're a lousy teacher. And mm. he said to me, he said to me, how can you say that? Guys call me up from all over the world. Often, uh, you know, I get, a, I get, I get 
And I, as a kid, I would uh, the, the door, you know, back in the day when we didn't Google in advance and whatever, you know, cell phone, I'm coming and just be a ding dong. And I'd open it up and there'd be some guy from Germany going like the Vincent man here. And I, <laughs> yeah, dad, there's some guy from Germany wants to talk Vincent's, um, you know, and, and I can explain to them what to do and they all figure it out. They call me from all over the world. I teach all over, teach guys all over the world how to work on their bikes. You call me a bad teacher. And I said, well, maybe for guys like that, but not for, and he, and he said, you mean a guy like you? And then he said, well, you may be a good teacher, but you're a lousy mechanic. Oh, and, and I said to him, <clears throat> I am. And don't I know it? And we buried, you know what I mean? Like I had matured to the point where I could say that. Um, and it was a turning point. And then later, I remember watching a uh, a a video about a, a GP uh, season where it comes down to Max Biaggi versus Valentino mm-hmm. Ross. And and I forget what that particular season is called, but I'm watching it there the, with a bunch of guys here. The tornado, the doctor, and the Kentucky kid. Something like that. Yeah. And you spend a moment with the the doctor, Dr. T or whatever, doctor, the guy who's like the go, no go doctor, who's with them in terms of like whether you can race or not. And he says that he put a heart monitor on Rossi and he put a heart monitor on uh, Biagi and Rossi going around the track is hot heart monitor is the monitor of a child playing on a playground. And when he puts a monitor on Rossi, it's the monitor of an adult seriously trying to play chess. And that's the difference between me and Sid. Sid in a garage is a kid on a playground. He's got no, you know what I mean? Like he's just, we, and I could never be that. But as long as I thought about it, you know what I mean? And accepted the fact that I would always have to sort of think twice and cut once I could get better. And that when you combine those two talents working on the same thing, then you start to get a pretty good team. And then, you know, and so that by the time we, that was the thing is that when we finished, when Big Sis Vincati came out, uh, people were like, it's a great book, but we don't like how it ended. You know, I mean, it shouldn't be because I went for this sort of on Golden Pond kind of ending about Sid needing to accept the fact that yeah, all of us have a good life if we're lucky. Uh, but even in the best of lives, certain dreams don't come true. And you going to Bonneville and setting a record is just one of those things that you always dreamed of doing and you'll die without having done it. And guys were like how do I get you and Sid to Bonneville so you can go get that record for Sid? And so at that point we went racing and we, we set a record at Bonneville. We set seven different land speed records at three different courses. Was that on Ganga Din? No. Tell, yeah. Tell us about the bike you're on. Well, this, this, this is, this is where, you know, Sid and I really do enter this kind of, and I'll know I'll never, you know, maybe I'll have some other fun stretch of my life, but this was one hell of a ride that well, first we had the, sto- the, the, the chassis left over from 
the rapide that we stole the motor out of to build the Vincati because people don't believe this sort of stuff. But one of Sid's best friends gave him the rapide in order to let us build this Vincati. We just had to go get it. And then we had a chassis left over. And I felt like, you know, God, a gift like that, you can't, we're going to get a single motor because the chassis for the Vincent single and the Vincent twin are identical. It's the same chassis. And we built it up as a 600 single. And in 2010, we took it to Maxton and Aaron Frank. And you had um, one of Aaron, Aaron Frank's daughter's friend that she accompanied her with go around the world. And you just did a podcast, I believe, about that. That oh. Aaron was like, I want to ride that bike and get yeah, Sid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, we, so mm. we did that. We went to Maxton and we went. Uh, on Tina that we called that, uh, I always called it overtime Tina, uh, which in Spanish became eternal Tina, which I like even better. <laughs> the eternal, that's what happens when you start getting your stuff translated. It gets even better if you're lucky. Um, and Aaron wrote it to a hundred and then 105 and we, we, uh, it, it spit a push rod. And this um, is a, a 650, is it? 600. 600. 600 yeah. Yeah, but racing in the 650 class. Right. And uh, and then it, the Gunga Den, you're right, the Gunga Den story does come up in that guy named Keith Hazelton had Gunga Den in pieces. He had spent his life uh, tracking it down after it had been parted out by a, a, a craven fellow. And... Um, and he he wanted to uh, pay off a big property tax that he had been evading, and uh, and if we could uh, match make this uh, with a with a guy with deep enough pockets with, who understood what it would mean to be the guy who brings back Ganga Din for the listeners who don't know, Ganga Din was the Vincent Factory's test mule upon which all the Black Lightning parts were mm. developed. Um. Okay. And so Sid said to him, I might be able to find you that guy. What if I do? And Keith Hazelton said, well, you know, I got to repeat in pieces, uh, come up here and get it if you do. And so Sid did that. And we took a drive up to Chicago in his grand marquee. And if the question ever arises, can you get a complete Vincent repeat in a grand marquee in pieces? The answer is yes, you can. And I can remember finding, you know, pieces under his water heater and stuff. It was and having to lug it out of the basement. And we brought that back. And I just thought, this is what the amazing stories. I just thought we were going to fix it up and sell it. And we were going to make a repeat out of it. Just a simple old repeat. And I uh, got divorced and fell in love with my, my wife, Gabriella who lives, she's Slovak. And I went over in a, in a mad romantic gesture to Slovakia. And as a Shakespeare. I mean, when you've done what I've done at that point, what, you know, why stop there? And her favorite movie is, uh, the world's fastest Indian. And so uh -huh. I, I said to her after a, a, a wild romantic night, uh, you come to America and we will go to Bonneville and race Vincent's. And then I came back from that trip 
and said this. Everybody same. uses that line. I can't believe it worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. And that's why we have Vincent, my son. He's like, what are you going to call him? Like, of, course. Of, course. of course. Well, and, and uh, this story awesome. leads into uh, yeah. uh, you answered a question that, uh, Eric, I'll, I'll ask you, what is the, the most assured way to get a land speed record at Bonneville that you can think of? Um, you're not sure. No, I'll no. tell you the answer because he made it. He he made it obvious go, to go me. Go really fast. Be the first in that class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Be the first in that class. <laughs> interesting. And this is interesting because when you went to set a record, there you have to you know give them all the info right. and, and you realize how many different classes. Oh, there's hundreds. Right. There are. Right. And you guys oh, yeah. just you, not knowing that right you happen to put together a bike that happened to be the be first the in its class oh, yes yeah no that's right that's exactly right and then at the time this is you know at the time we came back and you know a lot of a lot of um a lot of uh bridges had already been crossed i mean particularly the lower end had already been done and sid wasn't thinking about a lower end sufficient to go 150 or whatever you know he was building a repeat so, you know, we did what we could in terms of cams and porting the heads and stuff like that. But it, it is a, a standard, uh, you know, 998 repeat. And the uh, and, and so we we built it up and we initially thought we were just going to do the run what you brung class at the pub mm-hmm. meet that Dennis Manning runs and we weren't even going to take off the street trim. I'd already retrofitted and had been riding Tina, the 600, on the street. It had a generator and lights and all the rest of it. And we were just doing this for fun. And and uh, and Gabby, my wife, was like, I didn't come over here from Slovakia for that. You know? <laughs> and so she, she, went, she, she went, she went, hey, and here she is, she's pregnant. Uh, and I, she was the, the team race. She was, I called her the, you know, the team owner, the captain of the team. And she just batted her eyes at, at Sid and said, you know, we're running for records, aren't we big Sid? And Sid was like, all right, we're running for records. And at that <laughs> point I called up Dennis Manning and I said, okay, we're running for records. We're not doing this run with you brung stuff. And he said, okay, well, what class are you entering in? And at that point, I just described to him what it is we were running and yeah, stock or modified, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that was it. Right. That was it. And that, um, the Uh, Irving Vincent guys, and those are the, those are the fastest modern Vincents on the planet. The Irving Vincent, uh, guys, Sid had sent him an email saying, I like that bikini fairing you got. And they sent him a, a fairing and we had mounted the fairing. And because we had mounted the fairing, and because we were running gas and mm. because, you know, we had a modern uh, multi-plate clutch in it. I mean, it wasn't stock, you know. So mm. so Dennis Manning said, okay, you're running modified partial streamlining MPS VG vintage gas 1000. And I said, okay. And, he, and I said, what's the record in that? And he said, there is no record. In <laughs> wow. Well, that's the one thing anyone would want to hear. There is no record. <laughs> And okay, so all right, we showed up there, and 
And the other thing that we did that was really crazy, you can tell how insane, I, I mean, already you're getting a sense of, you know, uh, this guy's not a mild-mannered English professor, that we brought this the, the, the single as well. And to my knowledge, I mean, first of all, if you want to, you know, 101 on how to go to Bonneville and get a record is bring one bike. I mean, anybody <laughs> with any intelligence would, and then if you're going to bring two, bring the same bike, okay? Bring two time, you know? But uh, but to bring a, a a single and a twin, the only Vincent team that did that was uh, Joe Simpson and Marty Dickerson, both of whom are you know in the. I mean, Marty Dickerson is one of the true legends, and he had a great flash, and Joe Simpson had a uh, a. a uh, a twin that he then supercharged and that Marty. And so they teamed up and I talked to Marty about this and one year they, they brought, he brought his comment and Joe brought the, the, the lightning and they ran them together. And then after that, Marty said, that was stupid, you know, <laughs> and here I had brought these two bikes and I was trying to run them both and go after two records. And we got one with the twin and uh, the single, which actually outperformed the twin, you know, which uh, Aaron Frank rode that bike to 110.9. And the that, that little the, thing was working hard. That Yeah, that, that <laughs> I mean, we, we pulled the head and, it, and it, the rings were just starting to melt. Jeez. And, you know, when we got back, it was like, you know, you, no. I mean, the Christmas treated out and we changed it and everything. But we were like, you know, luck was on our side there that. And when we got there, the record was like 97 or something. And we were like, oh, sweet. We'll, we'll knock that out of the park. But then a, a, a BSA 650 twin showed up and they, they knocked it up to 116 at that, at that knee, you know? And so we mm. didn't, we didn't, we didn't break that. And that's, that's also what you learn when you're really a racer is that often your best runs and your best stories are not the are not the ones where you get the record you know it's i mean you know you know what i'm saying it's yeah, so, just like that's well, the way the ball bounces and here hearing that story emma it got me thinking yes what class do you think the niken falls into oh gosh Transformers, the class. abomination, or maybe class. there is no class yet maybe i could be the first yeah Mm. That's a thing. Mm. class. <laughs> I know. I need to look into this because when when I heard Matthew's story, I'm like, "Well, find an open class." So mm. um, Matthew and me have both got something in common because we've both ridden on the salt, and it is very, very different to riding on anything because you move around a lot. Yeah, right. There's no stability. It's like it's, like being it's on almost, sand almost right. You know, it's almost like being on water. Really? It's very different to sand. The Nikon, exactly. the Nikon exactly. actually might do well, huh? Yeah. I think the Nikon exactly. would do well. You found your calling for the Nikon now. I'm telling you, land speed record. <laughs> there you for, go. I need to look yeah. into it for an yeah. abomination with your, yeah. with your evil Knievel suit. My, my advice: put it, go go to the dark idea. side um, if you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. But I mean, um, the the question I've got for you. Matthew, because, I mean, we yeah. are winding this up now. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we're very constrained with time. I know you had a challenging relationship with your dad. Yeah. You are currently the guardian of his legacy. Yeah. 
and his legacy rests entirely with you. I yeah. feel. Um, and how do you feel about that? Well, that's that's a, that's a great question. And I know it's a very loaded question, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but right, right, you, right. Share, you share... Um, I had no relationship with my father at all. None whatsoever. Um, and so I'm really not qualified to make any comment about people's relationship with their dads or their moms. I mean, perhaps you you might be better at answering at asking the question, John. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was literally formulating the same question. I, you know, my um, my father was a lot like yours. He was larger than life and motorcycles and racing and, right. and all that stuff. So, you know, I very much lived in the shadow and took a very different path than he did. Very similar to you. Uh, but motorcycles was the thing that always kept us together. It was, right. it was the one thing that we had in common. So, and now, John, you get you just got your dad's motorcycle, and now that I he's did. gone. And, right. you know, he passed this year also. So, I, you know, I really resonated a lot with your story. Well, and Sid, now I've got his bike. Sid's so. been gone now for 11 years. Yeah. yeah. And we're still talking about him, largely yeah. through his work with Vincent's. And, and here you are. So, back to my question. I mean, yeah. you know, is, is, is holding... Holding court for your dad, is it right. a privilege? Is it a curse? A is it, yeah. um, you know, how does it sit with you? I mean, you're right. clearly an incredibly intelligent man. And, right. Um, um, it is, given uh, talking to you guys now, uh, as I'm 57 and, um, have, uh, have the, have the perspective, uh, that we're talking about, you know, right now it, I, uh, I have come into, to feeling very comfortable, uh, just the way you put it, actually, that is being the person that, uh, is the caretaker for the legacy of Sid in the sense that um, as, you know, Leno, uh, I dodged Leno's calls for days, actually. He's just very, like I said, he's a very sweet guy when Sid died. And I just wasn't ready to talk to him. And then I eventually answered the call and he wanted to pay his respects and he said to me, you know, if, if the story ends the way that it should end, if you're lucky, you end up an orphan because, you know, you don't want it to be the other way around. You don't want to be, right. you don't want to have to bury your child. You right, know? right. That's the worst thing in the world. And and that's, people don't think Leno is a wise guy, but that's <laughs> something that stayed with me, you know, that it played out. Uh, the, uh, in a nice way for Sid, I, I saw Sid experience happiness, um, and, uh, and do so gracefully. And now that Sid's gone, I, 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 I have at my age a certain degree of comfort from knowing that Sid lives within me. I often talk to him and just little things. It isn't just the, the voice in the head, it, it's knowing that I, I can remember uh, a friend of mine, Logan uh, Robeson, and I, we were working on uh, Vincent uh, on putting in the rocker and the rocker arms. Are oh, yeah, that's a fun job, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and, and 
he drove the pin in and, and he brought it out to me. And of course it was upside down. And I just knew, I, I didn't even think about things like that, you know, the proper orientation, because all of that stuff is just muscle memory in, in, you know, in me, that's Sid in me that just, I know how to hold that at this point, because I put it in upside down when I was younger, you know what I mean? And, and so I, I am my Sid lives on within me and I'm quite happy to have figured out how to accommodate that at my age in a peaceful way. And I think that's a nice conclusion to the story. Um, You know, we, we are the product of our parents and that's, that can be both a blessing and a curse and, but we're our own people. And I think, I think without trying to sound too philosophical, a lot of people try to be their parents and you can't because your parents are your parents and you right. are you and right um and the natural order of things is to become a guardian of your parents legacy that is the natural order of things i funnily enough i have a collection of friends who have buried their children and it's a very very exclusive club thankfully and it's a club that you do not want to be in. Right. So, Matthew, I want to really want to thank you for this. You know, I, as, again, because I'd just gone through my dad's situation, um, I really appreciate the way that you were able to mend those fences. In some ways, I wish I still had that opportunity um, that you did. But but thank you for uh, for telling the story, because I think your story works on certain levels. It works on a bike builder's level. It works on a father-son relationship. And uh, that, that's really important for our community, because I think all of us are struggling from a, a lot of that those broken relationships. But... Before we let you go, can you um, just tell us again your website, where they can get your books, sure. and you know all your sort of data? Because I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you. Okay, sure. shameless promotion for shameless promotion. Matthew Biberman, three, Great. two, one, go. Okay, first of all, if you don't want to shamelessly go through me, you can go through Arrow Stitch uh, oh, to get really fixing uh, Santa's cycle. They oh, that's they great. T- they took ten of ten of them off my hands. I have a, uh, I I have a uh, genuinely I have a very limited stock, less than ten uh, copies of this one hundred numbered and signed, numbered and signed by both me and Douglas Thompson for thirty five bucks plus postage. And if you go to matthewbiberman.com, and then you can you can you can reach me directly, and I'll be happy to autograph it. And if you pay for postage. We're talking on December 10th. Uh, you could get it in time for this Christmas and enjoy it. I do have copies as well. You can get it on Amazon. And, and Bieberman's Elmer. like Justin Bieber with Man on the End? No. B-I-B-E-R-M-A-N. Yeah. MatthewBieberman.com. I also am selling... We didn't talk about Larry Klein. What we had to talk about you, darling. Yeah. This is the... I had a great time uh, when when Big Sis Vincati first came out, barnstorming uh, to ver- the Mid Ohio and other places with Larry Klein. Oh, that's one of our guy. favorite places, Mid Ohio. Yeah, and I he he's he's no longer with us, but I bought out his. Uh, the, he had about twenty of my books in his estate, so I've got about twenty of these uh, hardback first edition. Uh, Big Sis Vincati, you can reach out to me at MatthewBiberman.com. I can get that to you. I do have a, a few here in the United States 
of the Italian and the Spanish. If for some reason you want to walk on the linguistically wild side and <laughs> it's very hard to get Vincent's with big Sid. We, uh, with with the Jay Leno introduction and all kinds of cool pictures in it. I if you go to MatthewBiberman.com, I'm I have it bundled. Ah, uh, nice. As a gift bag mm-hmm. for if you are re- really willing to step up to the plate there. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes to yeah, Matthew Biberman. Let's do that. Yeah. And and again, I really support the kids' books going back. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, planting that seed early to get kids to be fascinated mm-hmm. with motorcycles, which is why I was like, yes, I, yeah, I'd love to share your story. Anything that gets kids and motorcycles together, I'm in. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. So, Matthew, thank you so much for being such a charming and gracious guest. You are a, you're a good egg, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We, we, we motorcyclists know that, that, that there are more good eggs among us than Well, than you know, the, the thing I find so, um, so inspiring um, as an English woman who's little older than you is that here we are halfway around the world and we're still taking care of these things that were built so many years ago by craftsmen right right understanding that we're just caretakers for these things and right the love and the respect for the engineering of these things it's just it's wonderful to experience, and it's l- wonderful to hear somebody like you, who who clearly has this great f- love fire burning for these old things. Um, it's, yeah. it's just wonderful, so thank you. I enjoyed the conversation immensely, and I really appreciate it, and hopefully this won't be the uh, the last time our paths... Oh, come and buy, visit us any time. Are you going to Ohio? You didn't get me going into Santa Cruz and... <laughs> The roads around Santa Cruz, uh, the, you know, the one thing you, uh, one thing that will always be a highlight of my life as a motorcyclist is when we took the Vincati out to the West Coast and we took it to LA and to Leno's shop and you can go on and, and see him uh, interviewing me and Sid and riding the Vincati, uh, you know, like a guy who, uh, if anything goes wrong, he can get it <laughs> fixed, no problem. So, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, he expects to get a ticket every time he goes out. So right. what's the difference? <laughs> and man, did he, did he ride the snot out of the Vincati, uh, which was just great. And then we took it up to Pebble Beach. And oh, I got to quail, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, well that's this, yeah, that's the first year. Uh, this was the the first year of the Pebble Beach show that had motorcycles, uh, motorcycles. Yeah, uh-huh. and Gunga Din was there, right? And Vincati wow. and Gunga Din were side by side, and Sid got to see Gunga Din, which he had. Not only was he instrumental in getting it together, um, but in 1953, if you read Big Sid's Vincati, uh, you'll know he he was stationed in Germany during the Korean War and saved up all his uh, all his time to go over to England and visited the Vincent Works and stayed there and saw uh, Gangadin and inspected it very closely and took photographs of it. And those photographs were used in the in the restoration, but I got to ride the Vincati around the Northern California roads is my oh, point. Yeah. And yeah, after we're, that, we're pretty spoiled. 
Yeah, you're ruined after that. <laughs> ruined, ruined, I tell you. So well, um, we need to move on. Yeah, we've thank, got a, a thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you right. so much for coming on and sharing the story of your your dad. But but more so, I celebrate you know the children's right. book. And again, how many degrees did it take to write a children's <laughs> book? Was it is it three? How many? It, it, it is less, it is a negative one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. Um, right. I, I, over, I overcame in. those degrees in order to write it. There you go. <laughs> um, Matthew, feel free to hang out till the end of the show if you want. Um, you're on the East Coast, so I guess, I guess yeah. it's getting quite late, but yeah. not past your bedtime, I hope. Um, yeah. Should we should we do some well you well, know what well, let's let's let him go thank you very much for joining us thank again you. I'll thank put a link you, in the show notes and hopefully uh I will get some some of those books sold and get you to the off of the the demo run oh yeah and right. onto a real yeah. oh no we're going to get one on, let's get it to zero and hopefully that uh, you got one sold right here I'm buying it reach out to me yep. already did right. you realize this is this is the stack right here I, I'm giving you. Number 95, if you follow. Oh, up cool. Up. Very good. All right. My uh, email's already in. Um, All right. You know my greatest regret with this whole thing? We're not going to be able to no, talk we'll, to No, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Thank you, you very so? much, Matthew. We will let you All go, right. and we Thank will continue. Matthew. Thanks again. Thanks, Matthew. Good. Fascinating Thanks. interview. I, Take care. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Fascinating gentleman. Do we have time to talk about Eric? Well, we'll get to that just real quick. Well, yeah. I'm... Um, I'll, and I'll I wanted, I, and I wanted to say that, uh, John, because mm-hmm. that struck a chord with you. I went online and just bought um, Big Sid's Vincati for you. Oh, oh, worn my cockles. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to read it. Is that what you call it these days? You know, I'm getting older. It's a cockle now. <laughs> yeah, stretch a cockle, no doubt. Eric, are you going to be around next weekend? Um. Uh, uh, Yes, I'll well, be, I'll be back. Yeah, no, you, you are welcome to come by anytime. Thank you very no, much. No, you are living um, the nomadic life I that I you. hope to live one day. I was. Oh, really? Yes. I I, th- I really would like Eric to talk about his journey on the show because he is leading this halcyon life. Um, that's you know, it's not all sunshine and roses that's true but it's a life i feel a lot of people would aspire to oh yeah. and i think we need to talk about i was that, picking his brain for half an hour before you guys came yes in. Yeah. yes yes i'll be coming back um but so, we made a promise to our listeners so that yeah we so you always you, do emails you packed everything up put it into an rv and you just travel around living in rv parks and seeing the world and i gave everything to goodwill and when i moved into my camper and hit the road that sounds so cool. amazing. Fantastic. I can't wait to do that. My, the only thing, and I already play this game, is like, which bike would be the perfect bike to have? And I'm not sure that any of the ones I have, well, maybe the 690, but it's like, that's a whole nother qualification. What are you going to do with all these toy motorcycles? What the hell is wrong? Liza. What's the perfect bike, if you can only have one? Stretch Boosa. <laughs> Stretch Boosa. You what the a, hell is wrong with you? you well, you know what, bike he's he's wanting now. Stretch Boosa. An amigo. Yeah. Oh God. That thing is fun. <laughs> it is not an expensive bike, Eric. And I and I think I think it would fit in my RV. Well, you can fold the handlebars down. That's the whole point. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, you just God. loosen I'm them. Just spend the money down. and buy a Benelli 135. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With a sidecar. With a sidecar. We got a sidecar for you for cheap if you need one. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Well, I wanted to get to some emails real quick. Um, I have a short one here that I'm going to give a shortish answer. Johnny's got a short one. Okay. <laughs> Wait, there's too much truth in that comment. <laughs> and this Sorry. one it's is... Stumpy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. This one is from Michael D. He says... Michael Day. D. Oh, D. Michael D. He says... Mike D. What can you tell Mike your D. fans about the Maving electric motorcycles soon to be available in California? Nothing. Uh, Maving. <laughs> it's M-A-E-V-I-N-G. Yeah, well, no, I can tell you something about it. I did look it up. I was like, ooh, is this another another electric bike we should be excited about? And? And I went to the website to check it out, and I saw the first the first sign... That it's a bike that we don't care about. Hmm. Do you know, do you know what that first sign is, Bagel? What's the first thing you you look for on an electric bike to see if you care or not? Mm, hub motor. That is correct. Oh, it's a hub. <laughs> so it's got a hub motor. <laughs> so um, there are so many different brands that are I, I call them like boutique brands that are doing putting their own design, their own touch but not bringing anything new to the world of electric, not expanding anything, not developing anything new other than kind of style. So what you get, this is just another one of those bikes with a hub motor. Why do we not care about a hub motor? Because a hub motor um, is too much mass. You're not going to be able to get up to speed, that much weight on the wheel. So it's really meant to be a low speed and because it's a low cost, it means it has small batteries, so it's not long distance. Right. It's just another cheap boutique electric bike, and there's a ton of them. And we don't really talk about them because they aren't expanding and they're not developing anything. They're not. I think the term. Right I think the term is it's a technical dead end. You know, oh, it's not about the size of your battery; it's about how you use it. Yeah. No, a so so that's why. I mean, I'm not excited about Maving. There's there's nothing new there. It's just another bike that I think will be a waste of money personally. Okay. So, but thank you for bringing it to my attention. I'm always looking for for something new to see. And you know, we remember the, uh, the what was the brand that we talked to at the one show where they have it's all um, adjustable. You can adjust the suspension and and everything, the seat height. Oh yeah. At least that was something kind of different or new. I appreciate that. So that's why um, not excited about the maving. Oh, just oh wait, something better will come along. Um, Emma, you have one there. I've actually got two, but I'm going to read the one that's far more important. Yes, because it deals with relationships. Okay, it's from Mike Williams. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hi, Miss Emma. It's to me. Oh, <gasps> I, take my, I want take to my high back. Yes, I want to thank you for making our family's most recent cross-country trip so uh, enjoyable. Yeah. With one minor exception. Oh, yeah. Last weekend, my wife and I drove from Missouri to Colorado for the Motorcycle Relief Project's annual fundraising dinner. It is a 14-hour journey, so she and I tag-teamed the driving. When it was my turn behind the wheel, she turned on an episode of Motorcycles and Misfits and laid back to take a nap. She said, I just find Miss Emma's voice so comforting, and immediately <laughs> went to sleep for the next hundred miles. 
I put a put lot of asleep, yeah, I know. I put me asleep. <laughs> However, she did wake up just in time to hear you refer to scooters as death traps. <laughs> <laughs> she turned to me and asked, "Why is she so mean to Bagel?" <laughs> as a scooter rider herself, she takes those comments personally, but has decided that because of the melodious nature of your comforting voice, she's continued to continue <laughs> sleeping through everything you say. Oh no! <laughs> Thank <laughs> Thanks again to you and the rest of the misfits for all the wisdom, laughter, and insight you bring to the motor- podcast and motorcycle community. Happy riding, Mike. So, would you really like to know the reason I'm so mean to Bagel? Oh, sure. Let's hear it. Well, it's because I'm secret. Gingers have no souls. No, I'm secretly in love with Bagel. <laughs> But it could never. It could never be. And do you know did, did you, why? Did you dip Look his smile? Did you dip his pigtail in the inkwell? <laughs> no. Do you know why? why? He's smiling and blushing. How cute. Do you know why? Because <laughs> you like a little. Furry Look, he's thing. gone bright red. <laughs> yes. He's gone bright red because he's a ginger. He's a ginger. Yeah. yeah. And I true. only kiss gingers for twenty-five cents. <laughs> no, actually, you know. <laughs> I'm not mean to you, Bagel, am I, darling? Well, and no, just the scooters. Yeah, well, and actually, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, and I'm going to say it publicly. 2024, I'm going to buy a scooter. No, what? Ooh. No, we had tw- this argument today. And yeah, you, you said, said you wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> no, 2024, I'm going to buy a scooter. It a may. Bergman? No, it <laughs> may be a Fuji Rabbit. Ooh, nice. Well, consult with me, please. Yeah, no, I will. So, Excellent. and I mean, so that's it. I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah, I suppose, I mean, you could, you could say I topple over onto being mean, but no, not it's never, it's never meant seriously, Bagel, and I hope you understand that, well, darling. I oh, think yes. you're just the catch me out, and even though you choose to ride these things, which are superb <laughs> in every way... I think uh, so. Yes, there you are then, you see. I was going to say, I'm less impressed with your ability to put people to sleep and more impressed with your ability to fall asleep anywhere. Yeah, that's that's pretty epic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a very, very fine line between... And you sleep like the dead. Like, we have to go up and poke you because sometimes it's like, oh, crap, did she die? Like, you well, no, are I mean, out and make you sure you're still dead. breathing. And stuff. There's, a, there's a very fine line between going to sleep and losing consciousness. And I kind of, you know, I'm right on that line. Um, do you want me to do the other one nope. quite quickly? No, nope. no. John's oh. got one. All right, Johnny. Okay, this is from... Stephen Floyd. Hey, Stephen. Stephen and Floyd or Steve N. Floyd? Wow. No, it's just... Steve <laughs> and Floyd. Okay. Stephen Floyd. It's <laughs> too much for my brain right now. <laughs> Bert <Burton> and <laughs> Hey, Misfits. My 99-speed triple speedo is off by 20%, I'd say. Says mm. I'm going a lot wow. faster than I really am. My 04 Sprint mm. is dead on thanks to a, a speedo healer. Interesting. Which Miss Emma mm. helped me figure out with my mysterious black box under my seat. Yes. Oh. Love the podcast, Steve from Oregon. P.S. So sad to hear you guys won't be at the One Moto Show. Yeah, I know we're doing. And do you know why we're not going to be at the One Moto Show? Because it's a rally. So wait, his ninety nine yeah. speed triple speedo is off by twenty percent. Yes, they're, right. they're lying. We're being lied to. No, it's, it's, it's very common for Triumph speedos to be That's off. That's crazy. Don't, don't. Yeah, trust my Tiger's off by f- five miles an hour. Yeah. Wow. Bagel, yeah. you have one there to read. <clears throat> I do. I have an email from Austin D. Kraus. Yeah. Hey, Austin. Austin writes, you misfits. <laughs> Reading from Portland, Oregon. Oh, Portland. 
As I was typing this, I was listening to your podcast, and I wasn't quite sure if my email would reach you. Is this the Oregon accent? Uh, I guess. (laughs) 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 Uh, Then I heard Liza clarify that all forms of communication go through her. Yes. Perfect timing for guidance on how to contact you folks. Yes, they all come to me, including the ones (laughs) people send a copy through each one. Instagram, which (laughs) comes to me. Yeah. It says, uh, I'd like to put my, put my two cents into the discussion about training people who come into your garage. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been to a train the trainer course, either in the military or a corporate structured training, you're taught that everyone learns differently. If you've ever been fortunate enough to train, guide, or mentor someone, you've experienced the fact that people have varying needs. Some folks need to see the task accomplished first. Mm-hmm. Some need to be handed the tools and be walked through it. Some need to struggle with the incorrect tools or with no guidance. Some just need to read the manual or the how-to YouTube video. There is no objective, correct, or incorrect way to teach a population of people on how to complete a task. It's about the individual. Hmm. In a privately owned garage where time and resources in this context, resources being the people who work there, are at a premium, I'm sure everyone there is doing their best. If they weren't, you wouldn't be as successful in what you do as you are. Tra-la-la. Yeah, I was going to say, if we're being paid for what we're doing, I think we'd have to cater to people more. But since it's free. Right. Yeah, no. Yes. So, yeah, he's on on track. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry. Carry on, Bagel, darling. I says, Sweetie. uh, (laughs) <laughs> All the, you the, handsome the training... fellow, you. Ah, oh, wait, thank you, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> you, you purveyor of Italian exotica, you. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, darling. <laughs> All that the trainer needs to do is to continue being themselves and to guide your patrons in an engaged way, which you, which clearly you are doing already. Best of luck to all of you. I hope our paths will cross someday. Oh, thank you so much, Austin. Well, you're only up Thanks, the Austin. you're only up the bloody road, Austin. Come down and visit us, darling. Yeah. So I got a, a only... couple breaking news stories here. Uh, oh, on what? Instagram, uh, we have a few more comments about the Nikon. Oh God. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so one says, "Why do the handlebars have safety glasses?" <laughs> <laughs> Another one says, good Lord, that Nikon is really an abomination. Another yes. one says, that Nikon looks great, rather transformer-looking, Liza. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to stick with, it is an abomination. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, <laughs> Emma, before you go, go, yours, go to yours, I have a, a short one. Yes, and I, and I need you to try to give a short answer. Johnny's got a short one. <laughs> Were you watching me pee earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this one is from Rami, and he says, hey, I love your podcast and wanted to know if there is a motorcycle mechanic school nearby in the Santa Cruz or San Jose area. Mm. And mm. I responded to him because I was like, yeah, that's a good question. I don't think there is. I mean, is I, only the knew, I only knew about MMI, right. which is like the official. There's like and they're over now, right? Are they still around? No. Isn't there one in Arizona and one in Florida one or something? Yeah. One, in, one in Florida. I was going to go Yeah, which, I mean, yeah, I looked into it. That's where like a lot of mechanics go. But that's not the only path to become a mechanic. Well, no, that's true. And, and so, but I don't know if there's junior colleges and that's acceptable or if it's better to just... 
start out start sweeping a shop and and become no, I know, think an assistant. And, no, I think those days are over. Oh. I think, and I mean, I'm I'm sort of out of touch. I've got to be honest with you because I've been in the industry for so fucking long. You know, it was a different it was a different ball game in the seventies. Yeah. Um, but I think you need a good grounding. Now, look, I'm going to be absolutely straight. If you want to be a wrench, you need to be strong in math and you need to be strong in physics because you mm. need to know um, the physical properties of things and how things actually work, and you need to know about angles and all shit like that. And you need to be strong in math because if you're doing shims, you need to be able to figure out in your head What's the valve clearance? What's the size of the shim that's in it? What is the size of shim you need to put in for the target? You need to be able to read off degrees on the degree wheel to set your timing. You need to know a percentage for a percentage advance. And you need to know percentages for valve overlap. You need to know um, about how to calculate the diameter of a circle. Why bore and stroke, darling? You need to know how big an engine is. You've got to work out your squish, especially if you're working on a two-stroke. Oh, yeah. So you and need I'm to gonna... be strong in math, you need to be strong in physics, and I find you need to be strong in English so you can insult your customers without them realizing it. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. I, well, I, Eric, you were going to say something? Oh, no. I, oh, I was going to say, so I, just, I mean, I just Googled motorcycle mechanic schools in yes. California. And there's uh, one in Glendora. There's Los Angeles Trade Tech. There's City College of San Francisco. There you go. Sacramento City College. And the, those are it. Hmm. Okay. So here in California, it looks like there's not a lot. And But but a degree from like a city college, yeah, is no, that that's taken a good seriously start. in the industry? No. So when you go into a dealership, because you're not going to get taken on by an independent Um your best bet is get some kind of qualification so you have a yardstick to show, yes, I'm serious about this. Yes, I'm capable of serious thought. And it's gonna all that's going to give you, and I want to be absolutely clear, if you go to any junior college, if you go to MMI, they are not going to teach you how to be a motorcycle mechanic. They're going to give you the barest minimum mm. to set foot in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then you go into a dealership and you sweep the floor and you clean the crapper and you do all the jobs that I have to do because Mototown is my own business. Um, I am both the CEO of Mototown and the lavatory cleaner <laughs> and everything in between because that's kind of how it is. And I have blown up your lavatory too, so. I know you, you have. <laughs> I had to clean up afterwards. Um, so... You do what needs to be done, and you just put your time in. You put your time in. It's, um, you know, I heard a quote from a musician the other day, and this is um, thanks to my my current house guest, Mike Beck, who is very, very good at it. He played in town last night. Yeah, he played the ugly mug. You didn't invite me. Cool. It it was public knowledge. Have you been listening to K-Pig? I didn't go. (laughs) Oh. Oh, there you are then. Um, But we were listening to a musician, and if you want to be good at anything, and I mean really good at something, 
It's an endurance competition. It's 10,000 hours. It's an endurance. Yeah. Yeah. And that applies to life. Yeah. I am a good mechanic. And I can say that hand on heart because for the past 45 years, I have got my sorry ass out of bed and I've dragged myself to work and I've picked up my wrenches. Mm -hmm. And that's what it takes. No shortcuts. And just put your time in and pay your dues. And that's it. And that's how it's going to be. And if you can do that and you commit to that, you're going to be a great tech. But you've got to have something to start with. Because people, if you just walk into this and say, hey, I want a job, you know, they don't know you. Well, that's why you start sweeping floors. But it sounds like you have to go get a certificate Well, you know, it's, you, you need to be capable of serious thought. Because you've, got, you go. you've got people's lives in your hands. Yeah. If you fuck up the brakes on a Ford Taurus, well, somebody's going to have a little bump. You know, if you screw up the brakes on a, you know, a Connie mm. 1400... You could kill somebody. It's true. You could kill somebody by messing up the brakes on a Rebel 250. On any bike. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Exactly. You got one more to read? Oui. All right, let's finish this out. Oh, she's lost it. She's found it. Oh, she's down. She's no, out. It was, it was on the floor. Um, this is from John Fur. Hey, John. Hey, John. Hello, misfits. Johnny Pow here. It's Johnny Pow. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Johnny Pow. Um, I'm really looking forward to being in attendance on the 2024 <gasps> Dolomites training tour. Yeah. Experiencing some of the best motorcycling roads in the world, which I agree with, and also hanging out with world-class people, world-class group of people, I'm sure. I don't disagree with that. Um, my question is, what to wear for riding on this trip? Well, um, sparkly blue cocktail dress and pumps. Uh, it's my understanding you guys eat very well, so you want something with an expanding belt line. Yes, right? expanding belt line is also <laughs> yeah. good. No, um, let's have a look. See what he's got. I own some Climb ADV-type mesh pants and a jacket and big adventure boots with a worn-on my BDR and other adventure trips. It's really well made, and the mesh makes sense for hot climates, but to be honest, I do not like the way it fits. feels super bulky, heavy, and doesn't fit particularly well. I'm a tall person, and even though I get the tall versions, it's sometimes too wide. It's just a drag to wear. When I rode the scooter cannonball this year, I tried something. Did you do the scooter cannonball this year, handsome? Did you? Did you? Darling? Me? No. I have not done it since 2018. My cannonball days are over. No. Oh. Oh, that's well, sad. Wow. Well, <clears throat> perhaps if you did the, cannon, the cannonball a bit more, I might put out a bit more for you. Um, <laughs> promises, so, promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, am I actually being nice to Michael or being mean to him? I don't know. I'm making him blush again. <laughs> look, oh God, he's got, oh my God, you look like a cooked lobster, darling. <laughs> when I rode the scooter cannonball this year, I tried something different and went with riding jeans, which had some hip and knee armor. Although, honestly, not very much. And a lightweight riding shirt, which was also lightly armored and felt like a thin jacket, some more like a shirt. Also, I wore over-the-ankle riding boots instead of huge adventure boots. Anyway, I feel like my client's stuff is overkill. And the other stuff might not be protection on this trip. I don't know what the temperatures are like, so maybe Miss Emma can weigh on what she might be recommending for riding kit. Um, should I get track dates, type race leathers, or some kind of waterproof sport touring gear? Very good question, Johnny Powell. Um... I'll give you a rundown of what the weather's going to be like. 
it is going to be across the board. We're at a very high elevation. We are high summer. So the temperatures are mild. A couple of times when riding through Austria on the way, it has been a heat wave. I mean, I have become one with my leather pants. It has been that hot. Um, but it's rare. Generally, it's very seasonable. Is it going to rain? Hell yeah, you'd better believe it's going to rain because we're in the mountains and weather can change in a heartbeat. My advice to you is comfort is key. Get, um, you know, long distance type of riding jacket, maybe with some armor, similar kind of pants. Um, I like boots with ankle protection. They don't have to be up to the knee boots. As long as they've got ankle protection, <coughs> ankle boots are fine. You know, sport riding boot, full face helmet is a must. Half face helmets are outlawed in Europe. And the last thing you want to do is be pulled over and say your helmet's not legal. I, I, I'm just going to add, I mean, anytime you're traveling, dress for all the things. And there is... Um, touring you know um it's like sport touring or all weather touring right that has a lot of good vents to open up right but, but also you can add layers and i was going to even say like when you go to cycle gear even like the built or sedici which is kind of the cheap stuff it's fine it, it's perfectly fine for this so what i'm gonna wear which is maybe a good example I've, i wear my leather pants because they give good abrasion protection if I go down. But I've also got armor for my knees and hips. I wear my, you know, famous yellow and black leather jacket, which has also got armor. It's very, very heavy duty. I wear my full face helmet, gloves. I wear very, very cheap Sedici boots. And all the German riders do the same thing when it rains. They have these ridiculous high-vis, I call them monkey suits. It's a one-piece um, rain suit that you pull on over the top. And they're absolutely fantastic. And the cheapest chips, I think I paid 30 euros for mine. The thing wow. to remember, when you're on one of the training tours, when we land in Munich and we go to the Hotel Koenigsegg, three doors down mm. there is the german equivalent of cycle gear yeah and you can get anything you want in there you can get helmets in there you can get wet weather gear you can get this fantastic spray to spray your boots and gloves and it smells like hell but it makes them <laughs> waterproof so just get my advice to you comfort is key because number one we're going to be riding down the outer barn at probably 200 kilometers an hour but we're also going to be going through mountain passes and you're going to be working the bike. It's not a walk in the park. You are working that bike. And if you're uncomfortable, it's going to be miserable. So get gear now, break it in, be comfortable, make sure you're protected. Um, I'm very, very proud to say nobody has really gone down. You know, there's plenty of people who always drop their bikes on these tours, but nobody's really wrecked. Um, but dress for the wreck, but make sure it's comfortable. And as far as wet weather gear, don't worry about it. Save it till you get over there. Get one of these high-vis suits and a bottle of waterproof spray. You'll be absolutely golden. But remember the full face. No half-face helmets. And you know yourself, Liza, I spend my life in a half-face helmet. Yeah. I have to leave it behind 
and take a full face with me and I wear out that ridiculous black Simpson that makes me look like Darth Vader. <laughs> there you go. We got through all the emails. Well, And don't forget the blue cocktail dress. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? Is it everything you were hoping it would be? Even more. Oh. You get to oh, you get hang out of the garage. Nice. <laughs> and now you get to be in my inner sanctum here in this. This is great. In this room. Hey, what, what was it like when you first walked in? What? What? Oh, in, in the room here. Yeah, in the room here. Oh, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's intense, it, but it's very cool. There's a lot of toys. It is cool. A lot of toys. Hey, bagel. Oh, was God. it good for yes, you too, darling? <laughs> oh, boy. It was really good for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, He's blushing again. There we Look go. Look at him. <laughs> you two are cute. Lobster thermidor. <laughs> So, Emma, you're not here next week. Is that correct? Um, you know what? Actually, the party is cancelled. So guess what? What? I'm going to oh. show up just for the spite nice. of it. Um, I was actually scheduled or scheduled for my English friends yeah. um, to go to the Jameson Motorcycle Museum Christmas party. However, they have rescheduled it oh. uh, to be a New Year's party. So I am actually free next Sunday. However... Um, Yes. They, okay. The no, however, yes. no, however. There is no ha- however. Sh- um. Okay, got it. I, I shall well, maybe be here. All right, cool. Well, we'll talk more about it. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, it was great uh, having you here. Eric, yeah. Yeah, was, please nice come back, Eric. I am, I'm very, very story, sorry we didn't get to oh, tell your story. But I feel it's something we can talk about another time. And it gives sure. you a great excuse to come back and visit exactly, us. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I enjoyed the interview. I didn't know any of that <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 quite an interesting story but yeah i'm glad there's another another book out who are you going to give it to or are you just are you going to read it to your wife i'm going to read it to my wife and my, and my puppy <laughs> how is how is missy doing <laughs> she's uh very great th- she's very thin uh, she is very thin mm, <laughs> you know what else is thin my patience with you emma let's get out of here blimey but first <laughs> i have to say thank you to everyone for for sticking with us and listening and oh i showed john i gave him a, a little a uh, little sneak peek i've been working on next year's Johnny, t-shirt johnny's Do you like it so far what i've come peek. up with it was great yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um so thank you especially to our patreon oh we had a new patreon subscriber wait i have a, a news alert okay mm-hmm. gas <laughs> spoiler alert she got the nikon i feel like it should come with a, a band of futuristic ninjas you get to fight <laughs> Your ninja is a hit. <laughs> oh, <my word>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to give a big thanks to Kyle Wilkinson, who, thanks, Kyle who Wilkinson. came in at a at our highest level on Patreon. Oh wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. Well, Whoa. Kyle, um, take a bow, dear boy, because it is contributions <coughs> like yours that keep us on the air. Without Patreon subscribers, we really couldn't exist in the form that we're at. Um, so thank you, really. Thank every one of you. Yeah, exactly. Especially you, handsome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. All right. How come and I got a little dick and you're handsome? What, how did that happen? <laughs> All right. it's, it's just one of those things that we have to bear, Johnny. <laughs> it's my ginger mystique. What can I say? <laughs> just a reminder to all of our Patreon subscribers, come spring. I'm working on the, the design now, but come spring. Anyone at $5 or more is going to get a limited edition T-shirt. I do this every year. A new shirt. 
And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on something. Every cool. year, it's a great design. So, I mean, there's no shoddiness here. So, yeah, we appreciate you so much, and that's how we give back. You get a T-shirt every year. So you can go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Find the links to everything there. No shirts for sale right now because they're all gone. Uh, but Except at Zazzle. You can go to Zazzle, and you'll find links there. You'll find you get an Emma's Army Patreon, shirt there. Uh, yeah. Yes, and a, and a mug, all the things. So big thanks to everybody. Um, yes, you can get a shirt with me in bed with the Yamaha. Yes, you can. Motorcycles. <laughs> I wish it misfits. was bagel. And you can email us at motorcycles <laughs> and misfits at gmail.com. Or you can go in his car and come down here. Or you can go through the website. So thank you, everyone. I think we're ready to get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. Stubby John. Emma Darling. Eric. Bagel. And we are out of here. What a handsome, cool, cool. cool.